Part Four of the Blue Review, Volume One, Number Two, edited by John Middleton Murray. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Millie by Catherine Mansfield. Millie stood leaning against the veranda until the men were out of sight. When they were far down the road, Willie Cox turned round on his horse and waved, but she didn't wave back. She nodded her head a little and made a grimace. Not a bad young fellow, Willie Cox, but a bit too free and easy for her taste. Oh, my word, it was hot, enough to fry your hair. Millie put her handkerchief over her head and shaded her eyes with her hand. In the distance, along the dusty road, she could see the horses, like brown spots, dancing up and down, and when she looked away from them and over the burnt paddocks, she could see them still, just before her eyes, jumping like mosquitoes. It was half-past two in the afternoon. The sun hung in the faded blue sky like a burning mirror, and away beyond the paddocks the blue mountains quivered and leapt like sea. Sid wouldn't be back until half-past ten. He had ridden over to the township with four of the boys to help hunt down the young fellow who'd murdered Mr. Williamson. Such a dreadful thing! and Mrs. Williamson, left all alone with all those kids. Funny! She couldn't think of Mr. Williamson being dead. He was such a one for a joke, always having a lark. Willie Cox said they found him in the barn, shots bang through the head, and the young English Johnny who'd been on the station, learning farming, disappeared. Funny! She wouldn't think of anyone shooting Mr. Williamson, and him so popular and all. My word, when they caught that young man. Well, you couldn't be sorry for a young fellow like that. As Sid said, if he wasn't strung up, where would they all be? A man like that doesn't stop at one go. There was blood all over the barn, and Willie Cox said he was that knocked out. He picked a cigarette up out of the blood and smoked it. My word, he must have been half dotty. Millie went back into the kitchen. She put some ashes on the stove and sprinkled them with water. Languidly, the sweat pouring down her face and dropping off her nose and chin, she cleared away the dinner and, going into the bedroom, stared at herself in the fly-specked mirror and wiped her face and neck with a towel. She didn't know what was the matter with herself that afternoon. She could have had a good cry, just for nothing, and then change her blouse and have a good cup of tea. Yes, she felt like that. She flopped down on the opposite side of the bed and stared at the coloured prints on the wall opposite. Garden party at Windsor Castle. In the foreground, emerald lawns planted with immense oak trees, and in their grateful shade, a muddle of ladies and gentlemen and parasols and little tables. The background was filled with the towers of Windsor Castle, flying three Union Jacks, and in the middle of the picture, the old queen like a tea-cosy with a head on top of it. I wonder if it really looked like that. Millie stared at the flowery ladies who simpered back at her. I wouldn't care for that sort of thing. Too much side. What with a queen and one thing and another? Over the packing-case dressing-table there was a large photograph of her and Sid, taken on their wedding day. Nice picture that, if you do like. She was sitting down in a basket-chair, in her cream cashmere and satin ribbons, and Sid, standing with one hand on her shoulder, 
looking at her bouquet, and behind them there were some fern-trees and a waterfall, and a Mount Cook in the distance, covered with snow. She had almost forgotten her wedding day. Time did pass so, and, if you hadn't anyone to talk things over with, they soon dropped out of your mind. I wonder why we've never had no kids. She shrugged her shoulders, gave it up. Well, I've never missed them. I wouldn't be surprised if Sid had, though. He's softer than me. And then she sat, quiet, thinking of nothing at all, her red swollen hands rolled in her apron, her feet stuck out in front of her, her little head with the thick screw of dark hair drooped on her chest. Tick, tick, went the kitchen clock. The ashes clinked in the grate, and the Venetian blind knocked against the kitchen window. Quite suddenly, Milly felt frightened. A queer trembling started inside her, in her stomach, and then spread all over to her knees and hands. There's somebody about. She tiptoed to the door and peered into the kitchen. Nobody there. The veranda doors were closed, the blinds were down, and in the dusky light the white face of the clock shone, and the furniture seemed to bulge and breathe, and listen too. The clock, the ashes, and the Venetian, and then again something else like steps in the back yard. Go and see what it is, Milly Evans. She darted to the back door, opened it, and at the same moment someone ducked behind the woodpile. Who's that? she cried, in a loud, bold voice. Come out of that. I seen you. I know where you are. I got my gun. Come out from behind of that woodstack. She was not frightened any more. She was furiously angry. Her heart banged like a drum. "'I'll teach her to play tricks with a woman,' she yelled, and she took a gun from the kitchen corner and dashed down the veranda steps across the glaring yard to the other side of the woodstack. A young man lay there on his stomach, one arm across his face. "'Get up! You're shamming!' Still holding the gun, she kicked him in the shoulders. He gave no sign. "'Oh, my God! I believe he's dead!' She knelt down, seized hold of him, and turned him over on his back. He rolled like a sack. She crouched back on her haunches, staring, her lips and nostrils fluttered with horror. He was not much more than a boy, with fair hair and a growth of fair down on his lips and chin. His eyes were open, rolled up, showing the whites, and his face was patched with dust caked with sweat. He wore a cotton shirt and trousers with sand shoes on his feet. One of the trousers stuck to his leg with a patch of dark blood. I can't, said Milly, and then, you've got to. She bent over and felt his heart. Wait a minute, she stammered. Wait a minute, and she ran into the house for brandy and a pail of water. What are you going to do, Milly Evans? Oh, I don't know. I've never seen anyone in a dead faint before. She knelt down, put her arm under the boy's head, and poured some brandy between his lips. It spilled down both sides of his mouth. She dipped a corner of her apron in the water, and wiped his face and his hair and his throat with fingers that trembled. Under the dust and sweat his face gleamed, white as her apron and thin, and puckered in little lines. A strange, dreadful feeling gripped Millie Evans's bosom. 
some seed that had never flourished there unfolded and struck deep roots and burst into painful leaf are you coming round feeling all right again the boy breathed sharply half choked his eyelids quivered and he moved his head from side to side you're better said milly smoothing his hair feeling fine now again ain't you the pain in her bosom half suffocated her it's no good you crying milly evans you got to keep your head quite suddenly he sat up and leaned against the woodpile away from her staring on the ground there now cried milly evans in a strange shaking voice the boy turned and looked at her still not speaking but his eyes were so full of pain and terror that she had to shut her teeth and clench her hand to stop from crying after a long pause he said in the little voice of a child talking in his sleep i'm hungry his lips quivered she scrambled to her feet and stood over him you come right into the house and have a set-down meal she said can you walk yes he whispered and swaying he followed her across the glaring yard to the veranda at the bottom step he paused looking at her again i'm not coming in he said he sat on the veranda step in the little pool of shade that lay around the house milly watched him when did you last have anything to eat he shook his head she cut a chunk off the greasy corned beef and a round of bread plastered with butter but when she brought it he was standing up glancing round him and paid no attention to the plate of food when are they coming back he stammered at that moment she knew she stood holding the plate staring he was harrison he was the english johnny who'd killed mr williamson i know who you are she said very slowly you can't fox me that's who you are i must have been blind in me two eyes not to have known from the first he made a movement with his hands as though that was all nothing when are they coming back and she meant to say any minute they're on the way now instead she said to the dreadful frightened face not till half past ten he sat down leaning against one of the veranda poles his face broke up into little quivers he shut his eyes and tears streamed down his cheeks nothing but a kid and all them fellows after him he don't stand any more of a chance than a kid would try a bit of beef said milly it's the food you want something to steady your stomach she moved across the veranda and sat down beside him the plate on her knees here try a bit she broke the bread and butter into little pieces and she thought they won't catch him not if i can help it men is all beasts i don't care what he's done or what he hasn't done see him through milly evans he's nothing but a sick kid milly lay on her back her eyes wide open listening sid turned over hunched the quilt round his shoulders muttered good night old girl she heard willie cox and the other chap drop their clothes onto the kitchen floor and then their voices and willie cox saying lie down gamboyle lie down you little devil to his dog the house dropped quiet she lay and listened little pulses tapped in her body listening too it was hot she was frightened to move because of sid 
he must get off he must i don't care anything about justice and all the rot they've been spouting to-night she thought savagely how are you to know what anything's like till you do know it's all rot she strained to the silence he ought to be moving before there was a sound from outside willie cox's gumboil got up and padded sharply across the kitchen floor and sniffed at the back door terror started up in milly what's that dog doing oh what a fool that young fellow is with a dog hanging about why don't he lie down and sleep the dog stopped but she knew it was listening suddenly with a sound that made her cry out in horror the dog started barking and rushing to and fro what's that what's that sid flung out of bed it ain't nothing it's only gumboil sid sid she clutched his arm but he shook her off my christ there's something up my god sid flung into his trousers willie cox opened the back door gumboil in a fury darted out into the yard round the corner of the house sid there's someone in the paddock roared the other chap what's it what's that sid dashed out to the front veranda here milly take the lantern willie some skunks got hold of one of the horses the three men bolted out of the house and at the same moment milly saw harrison dash across the paddock on sid's horse and down the road milly bring that blasted lantern she ran in her bare feet her nightdress flicking her legs they were after him in a flash and at the sight of harrison in the distance and the three men hot after a strange mad joy smothered everything else she rushed into the road she laughed and shrieked and danced in the dust jigging the lantern ah ah arter him sid ah catch him willie go it go it ah sid shoot him down shoot him end of part four